0: It was all a pipe dream, watching bodyboarding up on TV Deep at Reef, watching tension repeats, eating bakery feeds At 18, living the dream, with no sunscreen, yeah we were so keen Surfing Aussie pipe, buying Riptide, eating shit pies G'day and welcome Maybe to the Riptide
1: Bodyboarding Podcast, the home of bodyboarding Thank you for joining us on episode 12 of our Verbal Journaling And I'm your host, Luke O'Connor Well, today's guest has packed more cones than a Mr. Whippy van, let's be honest. He's scored waves in every corner of this sphere we call home, and you would never, ever know it, as he's one of the most humble fellas to ever walk this earth. I'm talking none none other than, about, sorry, none other than um, Nick Hornwood. How are you, mate?
0: Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Yeah, good. Cheers. Um...
1: I was just going to start off by saying, you know, you had a crazy run there for, well, I mean, over a decade. And um, going back over a, a couple of clips lately, that dot-dot-dash clip really struck me. Was that some of the first time um, that you had scored consistently uh, on the East Coast of Australia? Because it really looked like you just had a stellar run there and so many waves in that clip just were all-time sessions. Can you Can you run us through that?
0: Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I guess like you know, grew up on sort of near the Goldie, like not not far North Coast, New South Wales, and um, uh, you know, like when we, like I started to sort of get uh, sort of recognised in bodyboarding at all, um, I was going to Hawaii and stuff like that. and I'd come down to the South coast a fair bit, but uh I remember, yeah, like I was going in the Shark Island trials it sort of all started at there like um like I always already loved the South coast and I'd surf Shark Island a couple of times, so when the trials I think it was that year like two thousand five or something, they started uh doing the trials so you could get into the island comp. So I did the trials um, and then I got in to Island Comp and that was a really cool experience. I, I was staying in Sydney then for the Island Comp and then going down the south coast. And then I did that a couple of years in a row. Uh, and then that year, 2007, that was um, it was just one of those years on the east coast. Like, uh, yeah, like I was staying in Cronulla and, and just sort of Going down the south coast a lot, and and even up at home, like that, that whole sort of winter, I just remember was just absolutely pumping. Like every day, there was just pumping waves. I remember heaps of days that I didn't didn't even chase it, and like would either just luck into waves or didn't even surf. But like it was just such a smorgasbord of waves that year that like, um, like I, I was sort of linking up with you know, filmers or whatever. Back then it was just sort of like you'd go surfing, where you know, like at the main spots and there'd be 10 guys filming anyway kind of thing. Um, yeah, there was so much for off then, eh? Yeah, kind of... Um, I was hanging out with Fisher a bit when I was in Sydney and South Coast. Uh, Fisher was the guy who made that dot, dot, dash. And, yeah, we just sort of kept scoring. It was just like... Um, we were chasing it a bit, but not that hard, you know, And but it was just that good that, like, uh, it was just too easy. <laughs> and, yeah, it was that's just a lazy, really good that, year that's... for waves, like, you know, like the island, south coast, up the coast. And well, yeah, that year I, I spent time in Micronesia and stuff as well. That footage actually from that trip never worked out. But it was just a bit of a bummer because we really scored. Uh but, Is that yeah, the one you went something. on with Lee? Kevin? Yeah, um, went there twice. That was the second one. There's a couple of waves in there from that trip that the video camera from the moisture because it was all different back then. That you know the equipment, the moisture in the air fully uh, broke the video camera, and oh, um, my goodness. none of the footage worked out. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, like, man, yeah, that's we'll, a horror we'll get story. Really huh? good waves. It was for then, you know. I wouldn't care now, but then it was a bit annoying for sure. Yeah, yeah because if you're but, yeah, it was and trying like,
1: to get clips, and that was the whole
0: deal. Yeah, you know, like yeah, like... that was sort of you know back then. It was like yeah, but like you go on a trip to get footage and photos and stuff. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that was that. Or, I suppose a lot of good waves that year. Yeah, and then yeah, since obviously like I live down the south coast now, had plenty of good waves at all. You know. Well, sort of those spots in that clip. That, but that was sort of, you know, I've had other good, good years sort of of waves now, since then. But, yeah, that was a, a good one back then, yeah.
1: Is, was that also the time um, in your life where you kind of renamed the side peak of the island Nick's Peak and just started <laughs> getting the most amazing wide ones? That really opened my well, eyes up, man, know. because a lot of us would sit so far in on the horseshoe bit and try and get that sidewedge and it would grow. And there was always different takeoff spots, but that wide peak one I, I never really um, thought much too of it and stupidly because yeah, you got so many, so many bombs that would roll through like on the east so east direction that you just nailed. Like was that the time when you started to get really well acquainted with the island?
0: Uh, yeah, probably. Like I Yeah, the first few years I sort of surfed it I, like I'd spend a bit of time in Sydney and, and just chase the island. Um, probably because, like, growing up, we lived right next to Kojonup uh, Reef, which is like a right-hand reef barrel kind of thing, and and then that just became sort of my thing that I like. Lo- you know, like I, lo- I sort of loved all of bodyboarding, but like just you know, like a anywhere between a <laughs> a two to eight foot slabby right barrel like you know that was sort of like what i really loved you know um what do you reckon so about, like, naturally 10 to 12 or maybe 14 foot oh. i reckon you're selling yourself
1: a little bit short mate.
0: no <laughs> i don't
1: know not, <laughs>
0: probably, <laughs> probably not now but i don't know yeah like oh. how often do you get a 10 foot barrel like you know what i mean like that two to eight it's foot rare, was a bit more sure. regularly kind of like available and you could actually chase them pretty easy. Like you could hunt them down and chase those sort of waves, like if you're yep. just even halfway on it, kind of, you know. So, yeah, that, like, and, you know, neither of those waves handle 10 foot either. But like, anyway, um, so, yeah, like I, I just was like, I love the island. Like I, I kind of, I remember watching videos like when I was really young and watching Shark Island, I'm just going, oh, fuck that. Like I would never surf there. And then talking about it, like the fence, would you ever surf there? And it was like, nah, probably not. But then as you sort of grew up, got more confident, started travelling a bit, went and surfed it a couple of times, I was like, fuck. It's actually like, there's actually really perfect ones. You know, it's not all just psycho like those old stroy vids you just see was a Just fucking (laughs) going, (laughs) fucking headfirst into a dry rock, and you're like, "Oh, he was a little bit like, yeah, 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 crazy, yeah." But um, yeah, and then got to surf it, and I was like, "Man, it's actually an incredible wave." Like, obviously, you know, um, and it it's sort of, it's the type of wave that I like, like where um, you have to draw a line. I don't. I've never really liked waves where you just sort of you just drop down and it's just one one slab and then you're out kind of thing. Like they're, they're photogenic and they're fun, but like way prefer a wave that you sort of have to draw a line and, and get speed through and sort of control, you know, like control it kind of thing. Yeah,
1: and exactly that's what we are. That actually that's a
0: big I, big slingshot, I, you know. So yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Well,
1: like, no, 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 100%. It's all good. I'm, I'm the same. I was so mindful of the little lag we have here with the communications. If all, any of the listeners here accidentally talk over us, uh, each other, it is because of that. But um, featuring what you're saying about the line drawing, man, I notice so much in a lot of your pipe clips because you put heaps of time in over there and you can tell you know the wave really well. You would always set one line. You would never really alter or shave off speed. You just set the line. You'd always come in behind it with like a... a a perfect read on it, knowing that you're just going to be just over the other side of the phone ball and it's all crazy. And I know there would have been heaps of floggings in there too. I'm not saying every wave was perfect, but you would always set really good lines and um, it was really evident when you were surfing pipe, especially.
0: Oh, uh, geez, mate. <laughs> um, so sick. Yeah. I don't know. I think, um, I reckon what a lot of it came from, like, because like I, you know, being really honest, I actually think that, you know, there was a period there that I actually was really good at, um, like, barrel riding. You know, that was sort of, like, probably my forte kind of thing, you know, in, in decent-sized waves. Um, And I think probably that came from, like, I've just, I was always, I can remember, like, since I was really young, like, Dad pushing us into waves at, at, at Byron Bay, like, you know, in one-foot waves. I remember just uh, really being interested in the shape of the waves, but also being a bit kind of cautious, a bit scared. Like I wanted to pick the the sort of perfect waves. Like I'd be like this one and I'd be a bit scared of the bigger ones and stuff. But the bigger ones always really intrigued me too, you know. So I wanted – it was just sort of like from that really young age, I was like I've, I'm, I want to do it, but I want to do it calculated kind of thing. So – I guess yep. naturally, it wasn't, I wasn't thinking about it, but naturally it was just like I, I learned to be really calculated in, um, you know, bigger and bigger, heavier waves kind of thing. And, and then um, through that, I just found that, that like a really, I found that good balance of like sort of pushing it and, and almost, Getting flogged and, and all that, but also just like you know, I've done, I've thought about this and and calculated this enough to know that I'm going to come out or or come get at least get over the, the heavy section of the wave and then fall off or whatever kind of thing. So yeah, and that I was yeah, just that's about to use the phrase. I
1: was, sorry, just about to use the phrase "calculated man." And um, you know, you took the words right out of my mouth. It almost seems like it's a mathematical equation for you. Do you do you break those things down in your heads um, systematically as you're approaching a wave, or is it more on touch and feel at the time?
0: Yeah, 100%. Like, I, I couldn't explain it. And, you know, I, don't, I think most people, you know, as you, you probably know, you know as well, like you, you ride well in solid heavy waves and stuff. Um, it's, you're not... Thanks, man. I don't know, you um it's just touch and feel kind of thing, you know? Like you just you just it's experience, you you just watch enough waves and you mind surf them and you vis- like kind of just when you're watching waves, you you're visualising sort of where you'd be on it and and you just do it enough times to know, kind of thing. And I think, yeah, like realistically mind surfing waves kind of thing. Like and that, that sort of like I actually barely believe you like the, the Nick's peak comment but even the <laughs> island like, um, like i'm in the and this is my approach to that and, it, and it, it's just generally my approach to sort of surfing anyway it's really like not not looking at what other people are doing and just just actually taking the wave for what i see it to be as rideable kind of thing and and not just going, oh, well, that's where you take off over there because that's where everyone does it kind of thing. Like actually looking at it and going, oh, yeah, no, I reckon that bit's steep enough that you could actually get a bit of speed on that and 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 just looking at it like where, where you realistically mind surfing it kind of thing and then I mean, it just opens up new waves to surf or new ways to ride a, a, a wave that everyone surfs or whatever, I suppose.
1: Do you reckon you've ever found, like, the magic carpet zone of, like, riding a wave? Like, you know, you're explaining the different pathways down a wave, but that magic zone where you feel all the water and the surface is completely flat, your board is humming along, your rail can just cut through like a knife to butter, and um, you just draw that one line you were speaking about. Do you feel like there's little zones in each wave that you should almost take every time, depending on the wave that's come in?
0: yeah kinda kind of um, I, I reckon with a lot of waves, yeah but then again with a lot of waves no kind of thing you know like there's there's, there's a lot of waves a lot of ways to ride a different wave I think um, hmm. It's a a hard one to answer, but um, I guess just, you know, like it comes down to what feels good and and like there's sort of just not many better feelings than just flying through a nice, smooth, fast, clean barrel that you've had to draw a nice line into kind of thing, you know. That's my opinion. Some other people might just go straight around the barrel and, and just launch into a big air or something, you know. I never really sort of avoids the air section, but, you know. Sometimes I used to go, ah, oh, fuck, like, I'm just hunting the barrel too much kind of thing, you know. But, like, whatever, that's what I enjoyed. Um, and sometimes I'd chase the air balls more, whatever. Just, yeah, hard question to answer, man. <laughs> but, yeah, definitely. Like, you know, you know those waves where you're just like, everything just felt right kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But um, I don't know. Yeah, you go through periods. I remember, like, yeah, sometimes I go through periods where just was, like, not feeling like I was surfing that good, but then other periods where I felt like, you know, like surfing really well and, and like, um, seemed to do everything what I felt was right kind of, you know. I don't know. Go through phases. <laughs> Yeah, yeah,
1: definitely. You definitely, definitely do, man. It's like a confidence thing. And it's also a physicality thing. I find like if I don't put a bit of time and effort into um, just looking after my body, I perform so poorly just on general things like even drawing a line or, you know, duck diving under a wave of consequence. Um, but yeah. I really do think half the time it's mental, you know what I mean? Or even more than half the time, I'd say. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Because you just yeah, yeah. psych yourself out yeah. so easily.
0: Totally, yeah, yeah, and and just like, um, yeah, like mental and in that experience and stuff, like, um, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm 38 now, I just turned 38 a couple of days ago, and like I can remember being young, like you know, my teens, early twenties, and just sort of thinking that your early thirties, and it's all done, like you got to wrap it up kind of thing like I don't know why I thought that I just must have listened to too many fucking negative people or something I don't know but um, you know like side note about the injury that I had like that that's really sort of made it hard for me the last few years to write a bodyboard. you know but you know that's a side note but if not for that I honestly think that now i would probably do you know if i was bodyboarding more often i'd probably do the best bodyboarding that i've done because of the experience and the, and the confidence and just understanding how the water works you know what i mean and really like a lot of it's actually when you've done the 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 sort of the movements over and over and you've got the muscle memory and stuff a lot of it just comes down to actually reading the ocean and the waves and and knowing when to strike, like, you know, when you're feeling good and just all that. Yeah, I, I reckon, um, like, you know, like sort of sky's the limit because the, the older you get, the more experience you get and the more confidence you get and, and all that. As long as you're sort of uh, looking after yourself and, and sort of keeping keeping in the water and stuff like that, you know. What do you do to look after yourself, Nico? uh I just man is <laughs> it's, it's a it's a hot topic for me, obviously like because um, I broke my back just for people who might not um,
1: yeah, please tell the listeners know about... this already
0: yeah just yeah. Uh, it's it's a long long story to to go through from start to finish but five years ago or uh, well, five and a half years ago I broke my back bodyboarding down in South Australia. And then that was a painful one mentally as well as physically, obviously physically, but mentally so unbelievably frustrating because I know how calculated I am in the water and and all this and, and just made this critical mistake that just like really... Um, you know, like without meaning to sound super negative, it has made my life a lot harder for the last five years than it otherwise would have been and and you know I'm really crossing my fingers that it doesn't continue to make my life harder in the future, you know it's been really really hard um painful physically and mentally kind of thing you know so, so that was a really bad, shitty mistake um so, I've sort of been trying to deal with that. So, the, the idea of, you know, looking after my body and trying to find ways to keep nimble and, and feel healthy in, in my body and stuff like that's just been at the forefront of my mind for so long now. Uh, but it's been a tricky one, man. Like, um, if if not for my injury i would just say the key is just keeping active probably not going too nuts with like um you know like weight training just just doing you know not going too repetitive on things and and maybe too hard on weights or whatever but but probably a lot of resistance training but mainly honestly just probably keeping in the water lots. If that's what you want to do, if that's what you value, then just doing a lot of that, you know. If if you love it enough that that's what you really, really value and you want to do that, then you'll be excited enough to go surfing every day and, and keep your body in tune for that. I, I fully just believe that your body will do over time – you just you just do what you want to do with it and it'll respond and, and learn to do that thing well and pain-free, you know. And that's sort of what I've been, uh, you know, sort of working at, I guess, like, you know, like had a lot of pain. I had a lot of metal work in my back and, and stuff because I broke it and I had metal work in there. I had it in there for four years and while I had that in there, basically my body over time kind of just seized up. Like there was pain pretty much all the time. Like there hasn't been a single day since I broke my back that hasn't been uncomfortable. And uh, it got to a point where it was really shitty. Like it was hard. And, you know, like I was surfing but nowhere near as much as I wanted to and had to calculate every bit of exercise that I did. Um, and I felt like there was no way to just move around that it was like if i stretched it hurt, it, it, it'd hold me back if i did sort of any th- sort of therapy kind of stuff it didn't do anything if i did exercise that would just make the muscles um seize up and, and i you know i still don't know i was still kind of trying to figure it out because i still deal with it a bit uh but um It was just like the metalwork was in there, right, and there was nerve damage. There was so much stuff that happened in my body. Like, it it got absolutely fucking battered, right? And uh, I think especially with the metalwork in there, it was basically just sort of holding or, or like, you know, holding a, a large part of my spine straight plus also, like, Big chunky bits of metal poking into the muscles. I think that was really, really making the muscles seize up and and causing a lot of pain. And over time, that that seizing up caused sort of like these chains of, uh, like tightness to to go through my body to the point where like you know I could feel it from my neck to my toes. Seriously, one line of just tightness and pain. And um. The more exercise I did, the more it would seize up. So it was like trying to find that balance of not just giving up and going, oh, well, I can't exercise. I'm just going to lose my whole physical health, but also not pushing it so far that I'd just be in pain and then be sidelined anyway. But anyway, I got the metal workout... 18 months ago, almost 18 months ago now, and it's been a really slow improvement since then. Did you feel uh, like your so, body may
1: be like rejecting the metal? And you just obviously it was there for a reason. I completely understand why well, that, that would have been possible, yeah. but was it mm. being slightly rejected and it was kind of really inflamed all the time and, and not allowing for the flexibility that you were looking for?
0: Well, yeah, I wouldn't say like rejected as in like, um, Uh, like inflamed purely because it was there, but I would say that, you know, it's adding something into the system that shouldn't be there and that your body, you know, that that evolution, like, you know, like everyone's body is sort of this product of evolution. It might, everyone might not be perfect, but it it, it sort of come of this system that has, has sort of allowed healing to happen and stuff like that you know and um this metal work was just getting in the way of the system running properly kind of thing i think and yeah like there was a lot of i i don't know if it was inflammation but a lot of tightness around that like you know like you poke poke anything into your muscle for long enough sharp and the vital- or what do you know, sharp and hard and rubbing against moving muscle like of course, it's going to be like, oh, I've got to seize up and create scar tissue, like, like that. And then, and then, the longer it's seizing up, then the more sort of, um, I guess the way I see it, and I could be wrong, but no one's proved me wrong, and I've spoken to a lot of people about it. Um, it's, it's sort of like the long, the longer the muscle is being sort of aggravated and having to seize up because it's trying to protect itself, and sort of the drier. More sort of gristly and, and um, you know, tight the muscle becomes, and then that and then it extends to like longer chains through your body of this sort of tighter muscle that isn't behaving like a normal muscle, you know? And that's what it felt like. Throughout everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, it, yeah, like I said, it got to a point where my whole body was just really in bad shape. Like it was really shit (laughs) it was really bad and and now i'm in the process of trying to undo that so to answer your question it's like to keep in shape um i still feel like i kind of have a limit on how much physical activity i can do thankfully i can do a lot more than i did when i had a metalwork in and you know if i've got a limit on what i can do i'm going to choose to fill that up with surfing so to answer your question i surf as much as i can but it's Still not as much as I want, <laughs> you know. I, I surf up probably a fair bit more than the average Joe, but um, you know, like oh, I'm not giving up on the the dream of actually just living pain free and and feeling strong and healthy again, you know. Um, and, and I recently sort of st- you know started to think about maybe getting into doing a bit of Pilates and. Stuff like that, but um, it's been a really, really unique thing. You know, people will just go, oh, "Well, you do some stretching, do this and that," and it's like, no, 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 no. It, and it's hard to explain, but I, I know my body well enough now to know what uh, is going to be good for it or bad for it. And, and I'm starting to think now, maybe, maybe something like Pilates would be okay for it. But um, I don't hold, hold high hopes. I think for me, the biggest thing is using my body the way I want it to be used, which is the most valuable thing to me, which is spending time in the ocean um, and time. I just think that my, my body still needs time to undo the tightness that was created from having all that metal work in there and, and just the injury itself and the two surgeries that I had, like it's been through a lot. <laughs> and I think just time, you know, like, it just takes time to undo that sort of – that that physical trauma and the tightness and stuff like that. And, and, you know, it is getting better. It's slow. It's a fucking massive game of patience, you know. But um, when I think about it, when I actually like sort of think about where I was at certain stages in the last four years, five years, um, I'm definitely – The best I've felt since I broke my back. Um, What's been the number one treatment?
1: I was going to say, Nico, what's been the number one treatment to keep you there over the last five years? What's been the most successful for you personally to get um, some pain free moments?
0: (laughs) Uh, Rest? (laughs) Like, that's (laughs) a shit, shit answer. But there hasn't been any any particular treatment that has actually done it. The only thing that's ever helped me I and mean, that, that's what I'm saying. Like I'm not I'm not saying that like this is how to treat injury or pain or anything, you know. Like I, I would usually say sort of unless there's something seriously wrong, move, 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 move and, and your body will learn to sort of deal with that and it'll do it pain free. But I I'm no you know None of this is like advice or anything. I'm just I'm just speaking just from experience. But um, yeah, this was a tricky thing. This was a really sort of what I felt like like a unique thing. It was like the only thing that would ha- actually help me was doing nothing, laying on the couch. But I knew that also the better that felt short term, and more that would loosen up my muscles. Sort of for a few days, the longer, the sort of the more I did that over time, that was not going to serve me long term. You know, laying on the couch doing nothing is almost never really good long term. You know what I mean? It is. So, so, yeah, nice it was oh tricky. God, it feels nice. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when you got a few aches and pains or whatever. But yeah, this is bit more yeah, bit shit to be stuck in that thing like knowing that my body yeah you know, naturally like mentally i wanted to do the exercise and, and you know sort of felt like it would help but just also that when i did it it was just it didn't help it and just like just spent so so many days like so many afternoons just like Laying on the couch, laying on the couch, you know, and it's just like that was the only thing that gave me relief, kind of thing, which was pretty shit. But um, yeah, yeah. You know, again, to answer your question, uh, there wasn't really any particular things. Not saying that nothing works, but this was just for me. Like it was just I just needed to rest. But now, like a, you know, um. i I fully believe things are different with that metal workout and and that now my body is sort of just back to like an organic system (laughs) um (laughs) it should behave the way i believe a body can behave and that is like movement to you know like not obviously pushing it too much but just sort of keeping it moving keeping it sort of fresh and 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 all that, maybe massages and stuff like that, just to sort of help help along that process of loosening the muscle back up. Then it'll get there. So yeah, I've started getting massages, and and you know I wouldn't mind getting, like I said, into a bit more sort of stretchy Pilates or something like that. Kind of on top of yeah, just yeah. keeping keeping as active as I can, trying to surf most days and stuff like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you'd have to like look at Louis as a perfect example. Louis Finnegan with his recent hip injury over the last three or four years you've seen he's just been oh, for sure. with all this
0: oh his yeah, yeah. strength
1: work and the way he is just off the chart mm. strong man like you know core mm. wise and lower body upper body like he's a picture of health and he's obviously brought himself back from a pretty serious injury like from all accounts um listening yeah, to some yeah. of the things he had to say in like a recent article that was released about his injuries and i think um the second part's yet to come out but he also went through a stage, um, not too, uh, an injury, sorry, not too dissimilar to you, where that was just, he, he didn't have any answers. He was just pain-stricken. Yeah. He became depressing and down. You know, like, oh, I injured myself for one or two weeks, and... If, I've broken bones and I've had had small things go wrong, but not for the length of time in which you're speaking. And I can only imagine going down that dark rabbit hole, replaying that wave over in your mind again, (laughs) thinking about the things. I've even thought about waves that I've buggered up, but there's been no real consequences. It's just my ego taking a battery, let alone a life-threatening injury. You know what I mean? I can't even imagine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I actually... um... Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember sort of how I initiated a conversation with Louis about it just because I knew he was sort of going through a lot of shit. And, yeah, so for some people, physical injuries and pain, like that, it's sort of like, yeah, it sucks, but it's not an emotional thing. But, you know, when it it directly affects the thing that basically gives you uh, you know, like without meaning to sound too big. it gives you sort of meaning in life and, and gives you a reason to get up in the morning, then um, becomes fucking hard <laughs> like, really, really, really hard. Yeah, and so there was some pretty dark days, and I remember speaking to Louis then. I think I was, yeah, it was maybe before I got metal work. Out. I don't know, I just I had a few chats to him about that stuff, but yeah, he's a good example of like. Um, Perseverance and, you know, like just keeping using your body the way you want it to be used. As long as it's not damaging it, you know, it sounded like he was actually getting sort of into more tightness and pain when he had the, the injury. But, you know, like, you know, thanks to 21st century medicine and that, you know, he could get the surgery and then he could heal. And... And um, you know, just like yeah, like I say, I've got faith that the body c- can heal as long as you give it everything it needs to heal and, and the right cues to to get back to doing what it, what it needs to do. You know what I mean? And that's I sort of feel like finally I'm at the position where I'm actually seeing some progress, and I think it's a lot to do with just my body being back to being like you know metal free. And having having all the system is right to heal again, you know, like there's probably one there's definitely a couple of things that are kind of irreversible, you know, maybe a bit of nerve damage and I lost a bunch of muscles through my torso and stuff like that, but I still I still honestly believe that um even with that stuff, man, like billions of years of evolution like has created our bodies to to survive and, and thrive as long as we treat them, yeah, you know, like the way we want them to be used kind of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: <laughs> definitely, man, definitely. And I think um, that is also shown in bodyboarding Body every day because if you were to look at... Just as you said, your average Joe on a wave and what they put themselves through on a regular basis, you know, you, you wouldn't think that's healthy or you wouldn't think that's, um, that's advisable for your body to do, but it adapts and, you know, exactly, it yeah, kind of calcifies if... over the ribs. Your stomach gets stronger. You might get like a really strong um, set of back muscles because you're arching you know, all the time, like totally. all this stuff, yeah,
0: yeah, totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like adapting, you know, like a bit of stress on, on the body. Uh, is good for it you know like like I was saying like laying on the couch forever like yeah it might be pain free but it won't do you any good in the long run (laughs) you know so it's like yeah a bit of a bit of a pounding here and there and a bit of exercise you know like a bit of stress on the body just creates strength
1: you know yeah talking about stress Nico and talking about you know trying to have a healthy balance and making sure you're not getting having too much stressful moments and not too many more relaxing moments and just meet in the middle what about the moment that you experienced over in brazil when you were traveling um on a bus across the country
0: oh yeah yeah um yeah it wasn't like yeah it wasn't a big trip on the bus but basically uh i was there um because it sounded super goddamn stressful. Like, let's just put yeah. You know, so that uh, like in the moment, in the life. moment, it was. Oh man, it's actually yeah. I just remembered the, the the sort of precursor to the story, right? So, um, I was living. This is just uh, like I just moved to Sydney. Actually, moved to Sydney, and I was living with my good mate uh, Liam. He he actually used to film the No Friends. Videos for a couple of years, anyway. Was that Liam O'Brien? Just, just for context, yeah, just for context for people to know. Anyway, yeah. he's, he's like one of my best mates, I've known him for a long, long time. And um, so, I was living with him in Sydney, and he was out at work one day, he was doing some other filming stuff. And I'd just come home from a day laboring or something, and I was in the shower. And then he just fucking barged in. like He was like, let me come in. I'm coming in. I was like, whoa, what's going on? He was like, man, like 10 minutes ago, I just got fucking held up with a gun at the pub. And I was like, what? And then he was explaining and he was like kind of shaking and stuff. And he was explaining how some fucking guy, some armed robber just came into the pub where he was grabbing lunch or, you know, like grabbing an Arvo beer or whatever and fucking held everyone up with a gun and, and pointed the gun at him or something, you know. And I, I just Jesus like Christ. I just got out of the sh- it was I got out of the shower and I was just laughing like I thought it was the funniest thing ever. Because like that's <laughs> that's the way I view that stuff. It's like you're okay. Like you're sweet. It's not a personal thing. It's it's over and done with. Like, yes, yeah, maybe crazy, but You're all good. Like there's you don't have to think about it from now on. It's just funny. You know, that's my my way of sort of viewing it, right, and then, um, then like, for a couple of weeks, this was just before I went over to Brazil, for, for a couple of weeks, like we're telling, he, was, he was going, fuck, I told Nick, and he was just laughing at me, and I was like, yeah, I swear, like, it's funny, and people were like, no, you can't laugh at that, like, it's hectic, you know, and I was like, no, nah, I disagree, and I was like, I, I want to get held up, I want to get held up with a gun, you know, and see how it feels, and I bet you I'll be laughing. oh my
1: god you almost asked for this no no
0: no well i fully did yeah and i wasn't like i bet i'd be laughing at the time but i was like i bet you like i bet you i feel i still feel the same about laughing at you about it kind of thing you know like i still believe it's funny and and i'll be able to laugh about it in your hindsight like it's yeah i was like i i fully back my laughing at you don't you know like well yeah i hope you do you know and then i went over to um, uh, man, and there was more to this story. It was it was fucking one of these things. Um, so please t- tell uh, all,
1: Nico Happy, happy. Yeah, so I went out. to
0: Chile. I went to Chile, did a comp there, and um, I had fuck all money, man. Like, just I wouldn't bother travelling on that little money now. But you know, Lord, it was all an adventure kind of thing and I really wanted to make it onto the world tour that next year so I was sort of like trying to push it a bit anyway I did a comp in Chile um and then I won a few hundred bucks and I think they gave the the money to us in cash in um US hundred dollar notes right so I I hid that in my bag in my room in this hotel where we were staying and It was in there for a few days and then um, last minute of the trip, I was like, fuck, do I extend the trip and go over to Brazil? Because now I've got a few hundred bucks I can probably afford maybe, you know, like a week or two in in Brazil to do the next comp there. So I was just like, yeah, I'll just do it. And it was already sort of stressful enough doing that. And then I packed my bags and I went to grab the cash that I'd won and, and then I realised that the cleaner who was coming through cleaning the rooms and stuff every day must have stolen it because it was just gone. And and I remember seeing her near the bags and I mm. fucking looked everywhere and I was like, oh, man, you're kidding me. Like, been robbed by the cleaner. I'm not sure. I, I Honestly, I don't know that's an assumption, but... I couldn't think of any other thing that happened with it.
1: But it's a pretty logical assumption. Like, surely that's just a dumb thing over there half the time. Like, if you... Maybe. You know, I don't, he's know. In the I don't room,
0: know. You know what I mean? Like...
1: You got, I don't know. Got yeah. Eat, they got to eat. Yeah. I don't
0: know. Yeah. Anyway, the money was gone. And, uh... I, so, that was a bad start. I was like, oh, fuck. Now, yeah, I'm really struggling. But I've got to go. I've already changed tickets and everything, right? So... Straight after I realised that was gone, I, I made my way over to um, the train. Uh, the bus station! So I was going to get a thirty-hour bus ride <laughs> from Arica down to um, Santiago, and it's it's just like this crazy landscape. I was actually by myself at this stage because everyone else had already pre-booked and, and done their own thing, and I was just like, ah, oh, fuck. Last minute, I just got to do this. So I was by myself. Got to the bus station in Eureka, Uh and it's so unbelievable. I, I got there, had all my bags, and I was sitting there by myself. And I thought I'd treat myself to a fucking little ice cream at this little shop. Sitting there eating that, and then <laughs> this this local guy. Now, as as I got there, everyone was just staring at me, and I was like, "Oh fuck, I feel awkward." And um, this local guy came up behind me and he tapped me on the shoulder, right, and, and got me to turn around and he pointed at a $100 US note on the ground. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was checking my pockets and I was like, oh, thank you so much, man. And I was like trying to talk to him. So I was like, thank you, thank you, you know. So then I turned around, leaned over and grabbed it. And I was like, this is so bizarre. Like, I've been... My hundred dollar notes have disappeared. I, I spent hours looking for them. I needed them, and all of a sudden, they've just fallen out of my pocket at the tra- at the bus station. This is so weird. But I was like, "Fuck, okay, sweet. At least I've got one of them back. Maybe the rest of them in my bag or whatever." And I was just sitting there, just trying to process what happened. How 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 did this note come out here? You know. And then, um, the the uh, as I was just sort of thinking about that, the bus rocked up. So I went to grab my bags and then I looked where my bags were and they were gone because I figured out what had happened. So the bags were gone and then I looked at the note and it was slightly different paper to a real note. It was a uh, fake note. It was counterfeit. But, like, I couldn't believe the coincidence that I'd lost several $100 you know, $100 US notes that day. And then they happened to use that as their trick to get me. So I fell fucking straight for it. You know, like if I didn't lose a $100 note that day, I would have probably been like, oh, this is sus. You know, no, thanks. So it's not mine. You know, I don't want to get trouble. But I was like, yeah, fuck it. It's mine. Of course it is. Like I've been looking for that all over. Thank you. And then I turned around, some sneaky bastard fucking taking my bags. And then I, I had like thirty seconds, or not even that, ten seconds, bagless, to decide if I wanted to keep going on my trip or not. You know, but luckily, well, it, they didn't take all my bags. They took heaps of stuff, but I still had my bodyboard and my passport. Basically, Thank God you yeah. had your bodyboard, really. Everything else, you yeah, yeah. Well, so a passport too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: <You know. laughs> yeah, of
0: course. Yeah. Um, so I had sort of the most important. Things and, and the rest, I was like, well, fuck, I'll just, I'll figure that out. So I had like 10 seconds to get on the bus and I was like, I just can't believe what just happened, you know? So anyway, I fucking um, uh, got the bus all the way down to Eureka. That, that actual bus trip was just a trip too. Like, I felt like I was on Mars. Like, for anyone who doesn't know, it's the Atacama Desert. It looks like you're on Mars. It's, it was it's actually really cool, super boring. And long but kind of cool bus ride um how was the vibe of of the bus
1: ride nico like was it like or was it pretty sweet did you meet some other characters on there
0: uh everyone was pretty quiet it was just sort of like pretty empty um yeah just super quiet hey everyone was just doing their own thing it was pretty mellow chili's pretty mellow mostly i think you know um it was just long and boring. <laughs> I think I watched a couple of movies yeah. and just looked out the window and yeah, no, nothing super exciting. But it was just just being there. I was like, wow, this I didn't didn't know this place existed. You know, it's it's a pretty trippy place. Uh anyway, yeah, made my way sorry, over to Brazil. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Now, oh, oh, no, I'm dragging this out. Oh, made my way over to no,
1: not at Brazil. all. I'm loving it, man. I'm listening to every word <laughs> at the moment. Going, Jesus, the twists and turns
0: yeah uh, yeah fuck the amount of situations i got myself into through bodyboarding good and bad like incredible incredible like like i look back on it now just as a a fairly average 38 year old like with a you know a mortgage and a kid and stuff and just think fucking hell like had some crazy stuff in my life, good and bad, <laughs> you know. But anyway, yeah, like back to the story.
1: made you who, who you are right now.
0: Yeah, and and that, you know that that goes for myself and and pretty much it. Like so many of the the guys I and same probably goes for you. Like so many of the guys I grew up with bodybuilding It's just like um, feel like we've got a special little thing from our from our growing up doing that. You know, it's a pretty unique. um yeah, sort of cool group of dudes, I guess. Anyway, um, I agree. Yeah, yeah, fully. Um, so, anyway, I was uh, making my way over to Brazil. Got there, went to where the comp was, getting set up. Um, it's called Itacuratiara. I probably pronounced that wrong, but anyway, it's a cool. It's a really nice little town, and it and just. Um, it's about an hour around, like the the sort of harbour and and a bunch of suburbs. Maybe maybe an hour and a half, hour, hour and a half drive around to Ria, kind of thing. So it's okay. kind of like maybe maybe like the equivalent of like Manly, Northern Sydney. That'd be where Itacoachara is, and then. Drive around all the way around to Bondi, and that's where Rio is, kind of thing. You know, it's yeah. about an hour and a half drive on the bus. And anyway, um, we—I was staying with, um, oh no, I forgot his name, South African guy Adam. Oh shit, I've just had a mind blank. Anyway, South African guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we were staying at a local guy's place. And we were like, oh, we want to go into um, uh, into Rio to meet up with a few of the other Aussies, you know, because they're like, oh, come in, we'll go go out, whatever. So, like, yeah, we'll go in, grabbed a couple of beers and then we we're about to get on a normal bus and then the dad of the guy that we were staying with was like, oh, whatever you do, don't get on the normal bus. Like 100% you'll get robbed on the way in there, right? So okay, thank fuck he's told us. And he was like, get on this bus, wait wait another half an hour, get on this this big coach, you know? It's got curtains and it's safe and you'll be sweet. So had a beer, you know, like got on the bus, it was all cool, we were like, Yeah. Cruise around and then I can remember like we we're going through where the favelas were and stuff and kind of yep. looked out the window and oh yeah, it looks pretty unfriendly out there for for a gringo like us, you know? And then... <laughs> um,
1: that term is unbelievable.
0: Yeah. I don't know if they use it in, in Brazil, but I think, yeah, generally in South America, we're gringos for sure. Yeah. And, um, yeah, like, I was like, okay, yeah, good thing we got this bus because we wouldn't last long out there, kind of, thing, you know? <laughs> and then anyway, anyway like, we we're, we're just having a chat sort of having a beer up the back. And, and um, because we were on the coach, like, the seats were big, you know, that you couldn't really see past the one in front of you because, like, you know, it was for privacy or whatever. But anyway, we sort of looked up the front and we could just see, like, the bus driver having a bit of a rough time with some guy who looked like a bit of a bum. Um, oh you yeah, know, like, uh, he looked pretty rough. Anyway, and and I thought he was just really drunk. And I was like, oh, somehow this drunk guy's got on the bus and he's just hurling abuse at the driver, whatever. And it was taking a couple of minutes. And we just went back to sort of like drinking a beer and listening to some music or something just passing the time. And then all of a sudden, like, the guy was right in front of us. You know, he just appeared right in front of us. And um, he was just yelling at us, like, in uh, Portuguese. And um, I kind of just, like, dismissed him for a while, just going, oh, fuck, like, this guy's drunk and we're just sort of waiting for him to get off the bus. The, the driver's sort of waiting up the front for him to get off or something, you know? And he was just hurt, yelling, yelling, you know? I was like, just, yeah, sorry, man. Like, yeah, no, no thanks. Just, you know, kind of leave us alone kind of thing. And then he started getting really aggressive and I was like, what's going on here? And then all of a sudden he just whipped up his shirt and pulled a gun out of his pants and then just boof, just held it straight at my head. Like literally like two inches from my eyes. I I was just looking down the barrel of it and I was just like, oh, shit, all right. (laughs) So, yeah, I just sort of froze and just like just put my hands out to the side like, you know, like movie style, I guess, like just showing like... (laughs) I'm not resisting. Like you do whatever you want, <laughs> and um, and then I just sort of just waited there, and then uh, I looked across, and Adam was holding his beer bottle like like he was going to fucking bottle the guy, and I was just like, like, don't you fucking dare, man! Like, put that thing down. Put your arms up. Like, don't. Don't resist this, you know. And then I think he he ended up putting it down, but I could see he was kind of, like, shaking. He was ready, you know. Like, he got really, like, angry. I was just like, man, it's not worth it, you know. And then, um, anyway, I just sort of let him fucking go through my shit. and I didn't have that much. I kind of had a feeling that there was a fair chance at some stage I was going to get robbed, to be honest. (laughs) And uh, I, I think he only ended up taking like a bit of cash for me, like maybe I think all I had, like that he could have taken was maybe 80 bucks cash and he took heaps of Adam's stuff. Like he took, yeah, passport, all his, you know, iPad, iPhone, fucking headphone, all this stuff off him, you know. And then he got off, the guy got off the bus and then the bus driver sort of went, oh, shit, sorry about that. And then just dropped us at the police station just down the road. And that was the end of the that that bus trip. So we, like, went into the um, police station. Yeah, and by that stage, like, I, I definitely was feeling pretty uncomfortable. Like, I kind of was just like, this has just been a fucking ordeal of a week. Like, I just want to go home, you know. And that was probably one of the... One of the only other times that I actually was just like I, I just want to go home, you know. I just I just want to be at home with someone in my family, you know, and just be comfortable and not fucking dealing with this shit, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and it's then uh, sure, a good well, yeah, it was kind of just I just wanted to be out of that situation, you know, because like we we're just dumped in. In the police station, and and had to go through like a, a mug shot book, like a fucking you know, like a two inch thick, two inch thick book of mug shots of these guys who fucking probably all killed people in in the favelas, you know. And I was like, fuck, this just like the mug shots scared me. I was just like, I don't, I don't want to be in this neighborhood, and I don't know how to get out. And then they just kicked us out the door at nine o'clock at night, just going, all right, make your way. To wherever you go. And I was like, I'm just going to get robbed again. I don't have anything to give. Like, I was shitting myself, you know? And I, that was where I was like, I just want to go home. I don't want to be here, you know? And then somehow, some, I think some other person that was on the bus saw that we were stranded and they helped us out and eventually made our way over to Rio. And, um, you know, it all worked out. But yeah, at the time, at the time, um, that that few moments, that probably that half an hour straight after where I was just kind of stranded and I was just a bit over it, I was like, this fucking sucks. Like, it's not really something to laugh about. But the actual fact that I got held up with the gun, like I, I fully maintained the whole time and still maintain that you can have a laugh about it because it's like... It's over and done with. It's not personal. It's not like that person's chasing you down. It's just you happen to be there, wrong spot, wrong time. It's done, you know. <laughs> but that was the end of that story. Yeah. It's
1: full just welcome to the jungle mentality over there, eh? Like in in certain oh, parts. I obviously, yeah. you're talking about the fellas. They've just got to live and 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 try and get through each day, and there's no guarantees. Well, you know. Again, um, I know kind of chatting before this podcast started about how lucky we are over in our situations at the moment, like bringing up kids and a pretty secure environment, like society's all well and good, we always whinge about things, but you know, really, it's like a utopian society half the time, and then oh, there's other parts sure. of the world that are just like polarising, they're so bloody opposite, it's not even funny, and when you dip your, your toe into some of the, the areas, just like you, um, you just mentioned there over in South America, like yeah, you get a taste of what it really can be and then you start to realise that the grass is not always greener on the other side like we always yeah, do yeah. we think
0: as humans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not to say um, that money is the sort of bringer of happiness though, you know. Um, you go to some places and it's tricky because, you know, some places you sit... You, it does. It brings, it brings a lot of freedoms and sort of access to a lot of like things like healthcare, you know, healthcare. And stuff that help people have live a happier life. But, uh, you know, you go to some places where there's not much money and the people are so healthy and strong and, and in touch with nature and they've got a purpose and, and they're happy. You know what I mean? Even if they're sort of maybe struggling with other things. But there are some places where money you know, like in a city, like in a favela or, or a full ghetto, like where money kind of is needed and, and they're, they're struggling without it and it's fucking rough, yeah, for sure. Like that, that's it, – it, yeah, it's a tough situation for them. Like Let, they're, they're born um, into a shit situation full stop, you know, and, and it's unfortunate, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely, and that's kind of the path that – They've had laid out in front of them. It's not like a, a choice or whatever. It's when you're born to the situation. yeah. It's, yeah,
0: it's yeah. But
1: just thinking about your travels, Nico, and, and obviously you've been to, as I said in the intro, like all the, all the four corners of the earth. Where do you feel have uh, like the bodyboard taken you in, in regards to you know a, the most roughest and craziest area you, you've ever been to? Like where's the the place where you were just eyes were opened and you were kind of blown away with what was really going on Mm.
0: I don't know Uh, I guess trying to think like when I was you know bodyboarding and that was like what I was doing with sponsorships and stuff a lot of it to be really honest, like a, a lot of my travels were, like I did a lot of travel and went to all sorts of different places and stuff. But they were fairly st- stock, standard places. Um, I can't, I can't like, yeah, I can't think of somewhere that was like super gnarly, rough. But, but I just told the story about the favelas in Brazil and. I don't know. You can't. I. Like, I don't know. I could be wrong, but I remember hearing that, like, per square kilometer, the the most dangerous place in the world, or something. So, like, yeah, it, that might be your answer there. but that was pretty fucking gnarly. <laughs> yeah, know? it probably is actually. Yeah, I mean, probably probably saw it. a whole spectrum of places from, you know, really paradise-y kind of beautiful places like Samara or Tahiti to, to full ghetto like. Fucking v- vellas in Brazil, you know. <laughs> yeah. What was
1: the nicest place uh, you you ever got taken? You know, we always live on a shoestring budget as bodyboarders. What's the nicest place you've been on a team trip or a, or a sponsorship or something just tied in with um with yeah. you know, a, a bodyboarding trip?
0: Uh, I'd say that like um, the nicest is in just like. Everything feels like it's just like a f- tropical fairy wonderland kind of thing. It would have to be probably Samoa. Like, I don't know if you've been there, but uh, been, man, it's just—it's uh, so beautiful. It's just the people are so nice and so mellow, and just so friendly. And then everything, like they really look after their land, and they—they um, they treat. You know the animals really well, and like everything, just it just seems, at least from the outside perspective, like as you're driving around it and and just visiting the people and stuff, it just it just feels so much like just a beautiful tropical paradise. It's like, yeah, it it's it's straight out of the postcards, but not in a, like a cheesy sort of Waikiki key postcard kind of way. It's like it still feels really genuine, you know. It's just yeah. Absolutely beautiful, lush, and just—I uh, don't know—it just i do not know just you have got all the tokenistic, beautiful things, you know. Um, but you know, like, yeah, uh, <clears throat> you know, there's plenty of places that I just felt like are amazing, you know, all for different reasons. But that—that that would be the one that's like the most tokenistic, perfect, most beautiful tropical wonderland kind of a place, you know?
1: Yeah, where the water's aqua, the palm trees are green. Oh, yeah. It's a yeah.
0: Everything's vibing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just everything looks like, uh, like, not that you want everything neat and tidy like an estate or anything, you know, but just it's like the people look after their, their land. There's like, you know, all these tropical fruit plants everywhere and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's just, Real
1: nice. Talking about picturesque places and, and, you know, wild zones that probably hold like beautiful tropical reef passes and and all the things that involve coral and crazy colourful fish, what's the go with, um, and obviously not dropping any names, any locations, but what's the go with your time spent surfing on the Great Barrier Reef? Because that's super intriguing to me. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, I guess probably, <clears throat> um, I think, like, you know, when we were really young, like, we used to watch, because like, we sort of grew up fishing as well. And uh, I remember just watching, like, fishing videos from, like, the Barry Reef and stuff. So, it's also, oh, my brother and I always had this sort of, like, or like sort of thing about the, the, the Great Barrier Reef and tropic, you know, like going up there. And then I can remember when we used to be like, imagine if there's some waves up there, you know, like imagine surfing out there kind of thing. And then um, uh, there was a guy who was from up up near there who, who used to come down... He, he spent time on the, you know, like, uh, around Kingscliff as well. Um, sort of going back and forth. But he, I remember he, he, he used to say, oh, there's waves up on the Barrier Reef, you know, and, and I kind of was like, I don't know, yeah, maybe. But I guess I was probably, like, at uh, that stage just so into, like, you know, like going putting in time and effort into going places where I knew there was waves, like, you know, coming down the south coast or whatever. And... um. Then, uh, yeah, I think him and a few other surfers did a trip to one. Like, there's a – without saying too much, there's a couple of different spots up there. And, um, yeah, they sort of told us about one of them and then we ended up lining up a boat to go out to them and surfed a couple but – but didn't get to surf one or two others as well, and then uh, just I guess sort of realizing that fantasy, that that sort of childhood fantasy, and getting really good waves too. I was like, oh, oh, like yeah. I don't know. It became a little bit of a like an obsession to want to actually like fully score up there, and then. Sort of put a bit of time and effort into it, and because, um, like, my brother and I were into fishing and stuff, like we'd got boats, you know. What we'd sort of saved up a little bit of money, and and I think at one stage we got a loan and stuff. And we, anyway, we'd had boats that we were sort of trying to upgrade, upgrade to get big enough boats to go out far enough to get the waves, you know, and um putting in time and effort to do it, but super fickle waves. But, you know, we just wanted to put in the effort to do it and then, yeah, like had some pretty fucking crazy trips going out in boats that probably shouldn't have been going out that far, really. Like, um, (laughs) (laughs) just, yeah, a few sketchy moments really, really far out to sea. Like, you know, just way off the horizon, no, definitely not seeing any land and just not knowing where you're going. And then I can remember one time, this was one of the first trips we did, Um, just it was pretty windy. Once you go out that far, man, it's just like the currents and the wind and all that, it's just it's pretty wild. And uh, a, a small wind can get really rough. And um, we just fell down into this chop, like, you know, just sort of just wrong timing on this sort of trough of this wave and I reckon about three or four hundred litres of water just like, came flying over the front of the boat and just like, boof, like knocked us all to the ground. (laughs) And we are just like, yeah, it's pinballed around the boat. Luckily, you know, I had like a self-draining deck, I think, and, and like the water cleared off pretty quickly. There was a fuckload of water in there and and we we're just like looking at each other, and going, oh man, are we, we're are we out of our depth here? But we're like, no, we've got to get out there. We have to go, you know? And then um looked up and all the electrics were broken and then we were just like, ah, oh, fuck, like we have no way of knowing where we're going, you know? And then halfway out we still had, you know, a long, long way to go. And then we basically just sort of guessed where it was. Um according to the time of the morning and, and where the sun was and and sort of the angle with, that we knew we had to go kind of thing, you know. And then yeah, we wow. just... That's pretty
1: impressive. Almost like a sundial vibe just going, yeah, okay, so we rise rising here at X amount of time and we want to be heading... Yeah, to- yeah, pretty yeah. much, that yeah.
0: Yeah, so we just drove just sort of, you know, like with the binoculars, like, looking out the horizon, just going, fuck, I hope we're going the right way. But, you know, we we're like, we're pretty sure we're, we're on the right direction. And if we sort of miss it a bit, surely we'll we'll see something with the binoculars. And then we just kept driving and driving. And then, sure enough, we got to it pretty much bang on, you know. And then um, that was one of the first trips. And then, you know, since then, it, like I said, it's really fickle. Uh, but it sort of became just the thing that we do like as much as we could when it to be on, which would pretty much only turned out yeah you know, like it it probably only gets really actually good once a year if that you know really like worth the mission to go out there and stuff but yeah it was just a cool just a cool experience like um. It's a barrier reef. Fuck, (laughs) you know, getting good waves out there. It's just, it's just beautiful and beautiful clear water, lots of sea life and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: that's just like a a feather in the cap, man. Like, how many people have gone and surfed on the Great Barrier Reef? Like, really, if you were to walk into a bar of surfers, say they were there for and bodyboarders and water people alike, just. If you, out of 100 people, asked each individual if they'd been the Great Barrier Reef to serve, I don't think you're getting many hands raised in the air.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've had a lot of people sort of ask, because it's pretty intriguing, for sure. It's pretty unique. Um, and I guess a lot of people, you know, historically have sort of just not really thought of there being waves up on the Barrier Reef. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like I've had a lot of people sort of ask, you know, just be intrigued about it kind of thing, but yeah, I don't really. It's a full journey. So it's like a fucking absolute mission. Absolute mission, man. Like some, some of the gnarliest trips of like just days and days of no sleep and surfing a lot and out on a boat. Like, oh, man. Probably, uh, I don't know, I probably wouldn't do it now again. Like I can remember driving home from one one of the trips, like, you just, you know, when you, you're on the go, you're driving all night with a, towing a boat and then you, you try to get maybe two hours sleep before you go out in the morning and, and then you're out there all day. Like, it's taxing. It's so tiring and taxing and you're just absolutely cooked after a few days of it sleeping on the boat or not sleeping because, you know, you're wet and fucking... Uncomfortable. <laughs> I can remember one time I was driving back and uh, towing, you know, big boat in the four wheel drive and like I was kind of hallucinating driving because I was that tired, you know, it was back to like three o'clock in the morning, we just had to keep going. And um I was like at one stage I, I like I thought I was driving the car into a big quarry and just like sort of jammed on the brakes and went, whoa, fuck. In my mind, I saw that I was like about to launch off a fucking a cliff into a quarry and then, you know, like just snapped out of it kind of thing and like, oh, fuck, that was heavy. And then I think it might have been a different trip or it might have been that one. Same kind of thing, like driving along and there was a truck in front of me, but in my mind, I was just sitting at a circus watching all the lights and elephants walk around and shit, you know, because I was that tired and, t- and just cooked <laughs> I was fully hallucinating, but I was driving a fucking, you know, four-wheel drive with three or four of us in it and two, two or three-ton boat on the back. You know, ugh. I don't know, man. Looking you do back, some crazy
1: it, things on those trips, hey? like you really do. When you look back on the on oh. the, the ways you push the limits, not like not just out in the water, and that's one thing, but to also. Logistically make it happen if you know you're totally. to be on the other side of the world within forty eight hours and you're just running around like a madman. Some of the things you have to forego and they're usually the the safe travel time, the ability to stop every four or five yeah. hours and whatever. Like you need to go the whole distance. Like South Oz for example, you need to drive twenty five hours in two days pretty much. And that's what Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's the minimum. And really, for most people, most dedicated bodyboarders these days, especially Australians, 12 hours in a car in a day is 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 just the norm. Like, you just
0: do that. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. Insanity, to most that's people it's insane. To most people, it's insane, yeah. Yeah, to most people, it's just absolutely insane kind of thing. But, yeah, like, um, yeah, it just, I don't know. It, It sort of is, but... You know, I, I just view it as like, you know, probably these days I'm a, I am try to be a little bit more wise kind of thing, you know, because like I said, like I've had uh, had plenty of good experiences, but I've had enough bad experiences <laughs> now to be a bit wiser and, and a, you know, a bit older. and Obviously more responsibilities now. I've got a little boy and stuff and all that. But um, uh, I still believe, like, You know, there's nothing better than having that thing that makes you want to do that. You know, like, fuck yeah. Something that makes you want to go through all that shit to to get to the thing that you want to have, like you're on a good one. If you have that thing in your life that makes you that excited that you're willing to put up with all that shit. You know what I mean?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty much like a coming of age. It's almost a journey. It's like a rite of passage you need to have... Not deadly, that you, you know, you, you need to have it more so, but, like, you yearn for it through that, that passion, and that's what bodybuilding yeah, brings so many people. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, just, yeah, having that thing. Like, there's a lot of people out there who just don't have a thing that, who, that, you know, like, gets them pumped to do crazy shit like that, you know? But... Um, for whatever reason, just you know, wave riding with your mates like it's it's it can sound so like surface level and and just playful and silly, but it also like when you actually think about it, like it's a it's a really really deep, cool, cosmic experience, and and it and it fucking draws it out of you to go the sort of extra mile and do some crazy shit to do it, to make it happen. And and I think it's a great, it's a beautiful thing, you know, like it's way, way better having some gnarly experiences along the way and and all that than just not having that thing at all, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. And you're going to have regrets if you don't. You know, I really feel like, Nick, a, a lot of people who enjoy the ocean and a lot of people who want to be on waves are just energy addicts like we are just obsessed with getting on good energy, good vibes. And if you get good waves, that's good energy. If that, that waves running down yeah. the reef or the sandbank bank in a, in a, you know, picturesque way, or you can, um, you can tuck yourself into a certain part of it or launch off a certain part of it. That's, you know, really op- opportunistic and, and you're just loving it. That's energy. You want to be part of that. You want to go search and yeah. do anything you can to get it. Like it's, it, you know, I've 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 said this before, and I'll, I'll say it again, and I think a lot of people share it, they share the same mindset. You cannot replicate being inside an aquatic tube, like you you can't. N- nothing else on this earth. It doesn't matter if you go play Rafael Nadal on like the clay courts in France, or I mean, um, Roland Garros. Sorry, if you know you want to go race Michael Schumacher at three hundred or so odd k in like a a done up um, F one like it, it. You can't beat being inside a moving wall of energy that's that's enveloping you. You know you can't beat it. Hands down, yeah. can't beat yeah,
0: it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something something about it. Yeah, man. Like the last few years, I like have actually thought about this stuff a lot because you know, like I still get really scared of losing. Surfing, you know, like in my life because like my body being uncomfortable and, and all that, you know. Uh, but there was actually a stage there where I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be done with this. And, and it was devastating, absolutely devastating. And I kind of was like, why? Why does it hurt so much mentally to like not surf? But, and the idea of not being able to surf, you know, why, why is it so special? Funny, you know? And um like well, I don't really know the answer, but like um I, I guess like there's definitely a bias, like because it's what we grew up doing and that's what we're that's our that's our groove, you know. But I, I do think that of all the all the pastimes surfing or bodyboarding, whatever, whatever you know, wave riding, it's all the same stuff really, you know. Something about, especially getting a barrel, it is it is objectively, you know, even like taking into account my own bias, I think objectively it is a really like just appealing experience. I don't know exactly why, but I was sort of thinking about it and it's like, I think one of the things about it all is just tapping into like um, – Sounds like kind of like cosmic, but tapping into sort of the the universe's energy, you know. Like, and 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 I'll just to make it not sound so like la di da. Uh, I'd, I'd compare it to, and I don't think it's the same, but just I'd compare it to something like hunting. You know, I, I've never hunted, but I understand the appeal in that. It's like the universe is doing its thing it's got its its processes and and it's just moving along with time and and it's all it's nature it's doing its thing you know and you you can tap into that and put yourself into this position where you you're able to sort of experience a bit of the universe unfolding as it naturally or as it does you know what i mean and i mean that i kind of I can kind of relate to the hunting thing because, it's like, I grew up fishing a lot and I, and I understand the appeal. It's like it's tapping in, tapping into the energy. It's like if you if you do your calculations right, whichever that is, like maybe, you know, you, you learn where to fish or you learn where to hunt or you learn where to catch a wave and how to ride it, and you do your calculations and you you put in the time, you put in the effort, you, you fucking do all this stuff to make it happen and then you sort of wait, you know, and you're waiting for the universe to do its thing and then it delivers and you're tapping into it. It's just like it's the best, it's the most fulfilling experience kind of thing and then you add on to that, like just particularly with the wave riding thing, just the fun of just gliding just weightlessly along water, you know, so it's like best feeling ever and, and sort of I think it's tapping into sort of some primal, primal connection with nature that uh, a lot of people probably aren't getting these days, just through modern life kind of thing, you know, like, I think there's a lot of people out there just have no idea what I'm really talking about, probably probably not in this podcast, but, you know, there's probably a lot of people out there in the world that probably have no idea what I'm trying to say here, like tapping into the universal energy kind of thing you know what I mean I think I'm trying to I think maybe I don't know hopefully you maybe get what I'm saying it's just I don't know it's just it's the unpredictability it's the sort of thing where you're like this is what should happen is it going to happen yes it does and it's just like nature delivering living for you it's like you're almost being you know without meaning to sound religious or something uh it's like you're being blessed by the universe. It's like, thank yeah, like I tapped in and, and I did it. You know, it's just For a, sure. It's
1: almost like strange, you know, a part yes. of the cult in a way. It's insane. Like there's a yeah. there's a core cool lord cult out there, and everyone wants to be yeah, in yeah. some way a part of it, in some way worship it because you are so. Yeah. Again, I'll, I'll, I'll use the word addicted. Like honestly, I wouldn't yeah, never, yeah, yeah. stop chasing waves. I recently this week got a little session down um, at Aussie Pipe and. Man, like it was only three foot, maybe four foot on some sets, but going down there and just reliving that afternoon that we've all had a million times before—if you're lucky yeah, enough yeah. To, to have that afternoon—I'm I'm not taking that for granted. There is something about that that it's almost like going to to Sunday sermon. It's unbelievable, man. Yeah, like totally. how nice yeah, yeah, it feels.
0: Yeah. It's just a
1: refreshing. It's just I would freedom. almost go
0: the feeling of freedom. Yeah. Hey, it's like you can do whatever the fuck you want in the water. Like there's no rules. There's no guidelines, it's, and it like there's no sort of man made bullshit. It's just it's just you and the universe and and whatever the universe is providing for you in that sort of time and space which is a couple of pits or <laughs> whatever, yeah. you know. Like, and it's just so still pure those pits. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's just pure fucking fun, you know? Pretty addictive. Yeah
1: unbridled yeah. fun, really man you could do it for days and as you said it's fair, yeah, yeah. except with a couple of park fees here and there maybe some petty money yeah, yeah, some cans yeah, yeah. of tuna that's about it yeah 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 <laughs> oi Nico um, I've got these five questions I usually ask um, towards the end of the potty would you be willing to undertake a couple of little neat questions yeah I'm
0: pretty shithouse at um, thinking quick but yeah
1: go ahead <laughs> Oh man, they're they five boogalator ones. I reckon you'll you'll know them off right. the back of your hand. Um, would you prefer crescent or bat tail? Uh,
0: crescent. I reckon. Yeah, definitely crescent. Like I mean, couldn't really tell you why, but uh, I just rode crescent tails, and yeah, say crescent. <laughs> yeah. yeah, happy days.
1: They'd, Full locker lining for you. Yeah, yeah. Lovely. Um, ramp or pit? Pit. Gear yeah. dear. obviously cut pit two yeah. ramp, but pit pit. Yeah. <laughs> okay,
0: go. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, dolphin cut fins or any other design fins?
0: Yeah, just the uh, dolphin cut. Got it. Yeah, Churchill's like this sort of. That's sort of the benchmark for fins, aren't they? Or, you know, like
1: that shape kind of thing, yeah. Man, I think, you know, you, you're you hailing from the Goldie or northern New South Wales, wherever you were booging or surfing at the time. If you didn't say dolphin cut, then you might be disowned.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Such a good staunch culture up there. Like, man, the style that would come out, especially at the Sunny Coast and the Gold Coast boys, just insane. Oh, yeah, insane. yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, there was some pretty fucking serious cross-legged legs going on out there. Even out the back, like, there was a stage where you'd be sitting out at a and you'd just see cunts, like, fucking throwing their legs up left, right and centre, looking at at their legs while they're waiting for a wave. And just like, whew. I'm glad to so say I never did that. <laughs> <laughs> it was oh, intense. bro.
1: I've yeah. also seen that down at Port. I remember doing some nationals down yeah. there when I was a grom oh, and yeah. I was always against Sam Bennett, and I'd just get knocked. In like, honestly, <laughs> if I made the second, third round, if I made it to the quarters, it was just like, you know, my, like mum and dad would be buying me dinner, would be amazing. But watching Sam Bennett surf those sort of heats is the exact sort of um, description just you're just giving there. And he wasn't practicing out in the back; he was just doing them on waves down the
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So many, yeah, so many those Port guys and. Yes, like thinking about it. Uh, yeah, I was never that tech. I sort of got halfway there, but like some guys were just so tech, <laughs> so like know. perfect. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, yeah,
1: something about their legs, man, and their calves. I don't know what was going on, or the way they could flex their
0: their legs down. Um, just I think they were know, just obsessive this. with it. You know, there was a lot of guys that were just probably still are. I don't know, but yeah, a lot of guys. Yeah. That... When I, think I, it's when amazing, I was younger, they were just so super obsessed it. with... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't appeal to me, to be honest, like, these days. Like, stylish writing obviously does, but, like, to me, it's, just, it's more like... Uh, well, I don't really give a fuck anyway. I just want to... Like, as long as everyone's having fun, you know, <laughs> that's all, really. But, like, uh, I just, like, to what I like to watch is probably... More, you know, obviously style is good, but more than that, just like someone read away really well, you know, and just like uh, sort of sort sort of powerfully or whatever, you know, and and just read, just have a really good, nice, clean, fast line kind of thing, you know. And then yeah, yeah, the style it's... comes on top of that, you know. But I, I I've always hated it, and I'll fucking maintain that. I hated watching guys like it'll really tech and. Ballerina, but just ride the wave like the wrong way, kind of thing. Not saying that I would do it any better. I was ugly and riding the waves wrong, probably, but like, um, yeah, it just annoy me when I was just watching guys just like focus too much on like crossing their legs and just blowing the wave. I was oh, just, just go fast and do something. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, 100%. I guess you could probably, prime example of that, and, and it's been, um, Proven, you know, decade over decade. We're probably looking at Mitch Rawlings' writing and realizing that, you know, he can be as tech as the next person, but he just draws the most crazy, heavy, slice oh, yeah, yeah, lines yeah. that, like, is going around and mixes raw power with that style and and
0: yeah, and yeah He's I guess. he's pretty much the benchmark for good beergans for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, next one, Barbici or Reef.
0: Ah, uh, reef for a boot. Yeah, pretty much reef anyway. <laughs> yeah, reef. Just um, yeah, I don't know. Just hmm. I've always found beaches to be a little bit annoying. Like you see fucking a hundred times more good waves than you actually get. Whereas a reef, you can sort of set yourself up. You read. You sort of you have a read on the spot, and you, you know where to sit, and you you get them, and then you can sort of like toy with it a bit more, kind of thing. It's still unpredictable because it's the ocean. Like I don't want, I don't, I don't really like the idea of a wave pool where it's too predictable, but I like the idea of a reef where you can sort of you know kind of what's going to happen, and then you can sort of draw different lines on each wave and and sort of have it somewhere in the ballpark of being the same. Kind of
1: thing, you know? Yeah? Yeah, I I can't agree more. I would always think, and it's up your way. And this is probably just me not being able to read it or spend enough time out there, really honing what the wave's about. But Stratty for me was always one of those waves where I felt I saw so many more good ones than I actually got. It
0: was yeah, like yeah, yeah, awesome
1: yeah. Mirage at times.
0: Yeah, yeah, and like I know there's probably heaps of guys from up there like that would have chosen strati over a reef. Yeah, like a beachy over a reef any day. Like, I can remember, yeah, like, surfing up there a bit. And just sort of, yeah, it's feeling like, like, I don't know, probably just didn't suit my surfing as much, I guess. Probably not, you know, super tech guy. Uh... And yeah, just feeling like I just couldn't really make the most of it. But watching other guys just fucking ripping, I was just like, "How do you do oh, this, man. So beachy?" Wave after wave, you know. Praying, praying after praying after wave,
1: you know? Crimsy, Joe Clark. Ash yeah, I was going to say
0: Joe. Like I would surf with him, and he just always, whenever we'd surf a beachy, he was just ripping and just getting sick ones, and you know, like. Um, and
1: still does.
0: Tom, Tom Rigby and just like a bunch of guys that you know were from the same area, kind of. Like I was just like, "How do you do this on a beachy?" Like. <laughs> I don't get
1: it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where do you generate the power yeah. from? Like, hats off to them. Mate. Yeah. Honestly, I reckon that's why some of the best bodyboarders in the world have all, always come from um, not speak uh, weak and spineless waves, but waves that, you know, don't often get that powerful, but when they do, they make the most of it. And when it, they're not, they're honing their craft and their skill in small, weak waves that require... You know, so much skill to even get out of the air, um, off the wave into the air, so yeah, I, yeah, I, I guess yeah, it works you. in your favor, too. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, last one, bros bicep or wrist leash?
0: Yeah, bu- uh, bicep. Like, I think I r- rode a wrist leash once and I couldn't do it, just felt couldn't, weird. Couldn't cop it, couldn't cop it, yeah, no, nah. not for me,
1: yeah. I feel you, I feel you. I really feel you on that one. Bicep for me the whole way. Yeah. Um, Nico, man, I really want to thank you for your time coming on. Probably the longest party we've done, actually, man. I'm looking down at my, um, my app now oh, yeah. 93 minutes. Giddy up. It's quality listening.
0: Cool. Uh, I hope there's a few bits in there for you. <laughs> Oh Jesus. mate. I was definitely intrigued about the South
1: America Sorry, eh? that blew my fucking mind. <laughs> oh cool.
0: Sweet. <laughs> Alright
1: man, well yeah, thanks again and um I'll see you in the water soon, hopefully.
0: No worries, man. Yeah, yeah. Catch up sooner. Eh? Alright. Cheers man, thanks. It was all a pipe dream. Watching body up on TV, deep at reef, watching tension repeats, eating bakery feed.